Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Hi, gay. Hi, gay. How are you doing this gay month? I'm gay this gay. How are you gay? <laughs> I have a glass of rosé in my hand. Mm -hmm. It's the 1st of June. Spoiler mm -hmm. alert, we do <laughs> record multiple episodes at once. And... I just feel loved by corporations, mm -hmm. by society. Like, I'm feeling great. How are you feeling this Pride Month? Um, I've seen more TikToks and memes catered to me, a bisexual individual, <laughs> than I've seen in, like, 13 years. So, honestly, I live for Pride Month. Like, yeah, sell me shit. Why not? Being on Twitter during Pride Month is like a <laughs> WWE SmackDown. It's like, it's the creme de la creme, the creme de la creme. I hate saying creme de la creme. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's like cram. Even cream is gross. Yeah, even cream, cream is cream. grosser. <laughs> All of this to say, gay, if you're listening, we know it's Pride <laughs> Month and this is a respite. You can rest here, weary traveler. <laughs> We're not trying to sell you anything. Speaking of, we've just started a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you, gay. She's like, shut it down, shut it down. Yeah. Um, the only thing we're going to push on you is the gay agenda. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lizzie so geniusly decided for gay month for us to <laughs> go out of our gay box and do something gay. <laughs> <laughs> something different. Yeah. <laughs> From our normal programming, we decided to get, you know, gay. Gay. In all seriousness, though, Lizzie challenged me to do a movie that I felt growing up made me a little gayer. And as far as straight movies go, this is very gay. And today we're talking about Now and Then. Oh, rich. The text. <laughs> How rich is the text that moves us? <laughs> I pressed play on this movie like two days ago and watched Lizzie watch it. <laughs> you did. I really felt your eyes on me while I was on the couch. How did you feel? This movie, you know, I love this kind of genre, which we tried to put like a name to this genre and yeah. I came up with like southern fried feminine coming of age dramedy yeah which is a lot <laughs> but I, that is a genre that I love very very much like mm -hmm. Steel Magnolias was really important to me growing up How to Make an American Quilt Fried Green Tomatoes yeah and so the fact that this one like slipped through my little gay fingers was like crazy to me but honestly it was nice that there was like still more to be unlocked because as far as this genre goes I feel like this one is the creme de la creme, if you will. <laughs> it's so good. I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, we were. I even looked it up today. Like, is there a name for like films that jump and flash back into different generations? Like, I'm thinking like this movie, obviously Fried Green Tomatoes, The Notebook, Big Fish, Big Fish, Divine, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, things like that, where we're told present day and then in flashbacks. There's not a term for it yet. It's just called like flashback movie, according to Watch Mojo. <laughs> I'm so glad WatchMojo.org weighed in. Uh, this movie did not make their top 10 flashback movies. I'll Bullshit. tell you what. Um, it does not mean that this film doesn't deserve love. I grew up, this was my mother's like favorite movie. Um, I was convinced I was named after the main character, Samantha. I just learned that this movie came out after I was born by like a few weeks um, in 1995. So I wasn't named after her. But I'd like to... I I'd like to believe that I was. Uh, this film was directed by Leslie Linka Glatter, mm -hmm. which sounds like the fake name for Richard Linklater. 
Richard Linklater is like performing under a female pen name in this movie. Like if he did like a Tootsie situation. Oh my God. She hasn't done too much uh, films after this, but she is known more for her TV direction. It was produced by the incredible Demi Moore. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she produced it. So she, she stars in this film. Um, she doesn't get a lot of scenes. The like present day actresses don't get that much screen time, but she did produce it, yeah. You know, that was one of my, not qualms, but one request I had for this film is like, I wish we had seen the present day women a little bit more because yeah. I thought they were like excellently cast and also had great chemistry. But, you know, they, they really rounded rounded it out and it was nice to see a movie that was like mostly like young young women watching the older women interact was so nice it did feel like there could have been more present day content it kind of seemed to me like they maybe only wanted to spend like two days on set like all these like a-listers uh but going back and watching it now it's just like a nice little like um easter egg yeah and they have the voiceover so we get their presence mm-hmm. in the film mm-hmm. i just wanted to see rosie o'donnell more okay rosie Sue o'donnell me. wanted you to see her more <laughs> i have some like production notes that i think that you'll find are really interesting but this film was written by i marlene king mm-hmm. is that marlene king does that ring any bell not really. I'm thinking of Marley Matlin, but only because she's always on my mind. That's fair. Unrelated, uh, right? <laughs> um, so you had like a better teenage growing up than I did because I, Marlene King, is the showrunner of Pretty Little Liars. I never watched that series. I never fell prey. God, as I was a hoe for Glee, but like PLL was my side chick. Does that make sense? No, 100%. You're like, you're like, I'll be right back, Leah Michelle. Yeah. I have to go visit. Isn't Blake Lively? No, that's Gossip Girl. Lizzie. Okay, bitch. I was watching like, you don't even want to know, like SpongeBob SquarePants, like way too late in life. Uh, So PLL, Pretty Little Liars, is heralded for its gay storylines. I, Marlene King, is an out lesbian. Oh, okay. Yeah, so big home. I would love to see a photo of her. Yeah. Is that possible? I mean, we got the internet. She just looks like a normal lady. Was she in the show? Uh, This is like a picture from her IMDb, which leads me to believe she made a cameo of sorts. Okay, so this is an out lesbian woman. Okay, great. I have an image. So as we were mentioning in Greece, like if the writer or the director or like anybody behind the story of the film is gay, there's no way for the story itself to not be gay by association. (laughs) You're gay by association. Sorry, baby. You're going to gay jail. You're going to get sold gay products this whole month. So I'll get more into that later. But a side note, she did write the 2006 film Just My Luck. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Any feelings on that? It's a movie I've seen. It's a rom-com, so I... There's not a rom-com I hate. I'll be very honest about that. So you're saying on Letterboxd, you would just say that you watched it? You wouldn't, like, read it or anything? Oh, no. I'd probably give it, like, a five stars because Lindsay Lohan's <laughs> in it. Like, I'm not an idiot. Uh, I have taste. Woman of taste. So let me play you a tune to get you in the mood. All right, Lizzie, 
I'd like you to transport yourself to the summer of 1970. With pleasure. <laughs> so the synopsis of this film is we follow four friends, Samantha, who's played by Gabby Hoffman, Teeny, who's played by Thor Birch, Roberta, who's played by Christina Ricci, and Chrissy, who's played by Ashley Aston Moore, through an eventful 70s summer. <sighs> Great synopsis. Thank you. I wrote it myself. Uh, <laughs> so I mentioned that we, we have um, Demi Moore, obviously. We have uh, Melanie Griffith. We have Rosie O'Donnell. We have Rita Wilson. They all play like the present day version of them. And I'll get more into that like jump a little bit later. But I want to focus on before we jump into the like meat of the story, the character of Roberta, who is played by Christina Ricci. Yes. She was one of my favorite characters, easily. Yeah. She she was my favorite growing up. I idolized her. I wanted to be just like her, and I also wanted to, like, kiss her on the mouth. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it is, like, kind of hard when you, like, look back at your, like, early childhood crushes before you came out. You're like, did I want to, like, absorb them and live in their skin, or did I want to fuck them? Exactly. Looking at you, Shane, season two of The L Word. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um... Like I said, I, Marlene King, is a lesbian, and she wrote Roberta as a lesbian. Like, in the text, the script was Roberta is a lesbian. Wait, okay. So— Okay, yeah, duh. Okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like a duh now. And I think it's funny because we—in our Fried Green Tomatoes episode, yeah. I mentioned this film, and I was like, oh, I always assumed that Roberta was a lesbian— but I, I couldn't confirm it. It was just something that was like living in my mind. And the reason that I chose this film today is because I was watching an episode of Hacks on HBO and Devin Sawa was in an episode and I was like, oh, he's from now and then. And I was like, oh, I should do this movie, but it's not really gay. And then I looked it up. It's so fucking gay. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Everything's gay, dude. Like, <laughs> if you liked it at any point in your life, it's gay. Like, that's the register of which we, like, test these movies. Yeah. So, like... Like I said, King wrote Roberta as a lesbian. After test screenings, the character was rewritten. So they shot it like she was a lesbian and then showed test audiences it. And they were, like, grossed out. Come on. Okay, that was my next question. Like, did they leave that in? Because I very, like, subtextually intuited that she felt like a gay character. Mm -hmm. But being the 90s and being, like, history, of course, I was I'm wondering if it was, like, hushed-hushed. And mm -hmm. it sounds like yes, which is sad. I mean, she kisses a boy in the movie, but honestly, like that scene makes her seem more gay. Sorry to like jump ahead, but no, don't 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 be sorry to jump ahead because Christina Ricci said the character is based on somebody who did grow up to be a lesbian. But I was told to play the shame any teenage girl has when discovering that she's becoming a sexual being. So I don't know if they showed the whole movie to test audiences and they kept the like boy kiss that she has. And then, like, repackaged it mm -hmm. later because they add an ADR line um, where Rita Wilson, who plays Chrissy, says, like, well, Roberta has chosen to live in, in to live in sin with her boyfriend. And you don't see her those words, like, leaving her mouth. It's, like, it's obviously, like, just thrown in. Yes. I know exactly what line you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I was, like— there's no other evidence to support that Rosie O'Donnell is a heterosexual. Like, literally, look at her outfit, y'all. Like, <laughs> wake the fuck up. It's Rosie O'Donnell. Like, <laughs> it's dude. So, like, they weren't even trying to hide anything from the audience. They casted Rosie O'Donnell, who came out, like, seven years after this film was released. But she has said on record that she played it as a lesbian. She, like, read the script, understood her as a lesbian, Heard from I'm Arlene King that she was a lesbian, played it that way, and then 
you know, was so upset when they rewrote it. Mar- Marlene King has said that like she was like more devastated. And King had said that like if I could do anything over again, it would be to just restore Roberta's identity. Well, if King gets like any comfort from current audiences watching this film, I absolutely read Roberta as a gay character. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Because you can take away the like label, but you can't take away the behavior and the subtextuality. And like I said, like she's the only character that I know of. Yes. She's the only character that engages in like actual uh, opposite sex, like touch on touch, kiss, like they kiss, you know what I mean? She kisses a boy. She's mm-hmm. the only one that kisses a boy. But that scene just made me like even more realize and like confirm that she was a lesbian. Cause I was like, this isn't how that scene normally goes. And the scene <laughs> <laughs> is like a level of discomfort and cuteness that, you know, I, I interpreted as coming from like someone who's like, huh, maybe this isn't what I want. Yeah, and we'll we'll jump into that scene later, but I I want you to think about Roberta when you see her in this movie as like this is gay and it's meant to be. I'm more than happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um the film starts and we meet all four women in present day in the year of 1999. We meet Samantha, who's played by Demi Moore and we see her driving back to her hometown, which she hates, which is very gay. She's dressed like Diane mm-hmm. Keaton, which is very gay. <laughs> and um, I just want to show like you some pictures from this while I'm playing a song. Yes. It felt like springtime on this February morning in a courtyard birds were singing. Rocking a baby pantsuit, totally straight, red tinted glasses, braids up to my scalp. Also, this Sophie B. Hawkins song. Sophie B. Hawkins is like an out, as she would call it, omnisexual person and is known for the song Damn I Wish I Was Your Lover, which is written by <laughs> like, it was written from her perspective to another woman, which is like a huge deal for like gay people of this era. So mm-hmm. the fact that Samantha, who isn't even the gay one, <laughs> looks like this and is listening to this song. It's such a read. Like, of course, oh, everyone thought these characters were gay. I have to say one of the like the few things I allowed myself to say to you while we were watching this, because we generally try not to make comments while we're watching the films we're going to cover in an episode. But I did say, damn, I can't figure out which one is supposed to be the gay one. Like, I'm used <laughs> to there being just like the token gay. But I was like, all of these women seem really gay to me, even the pregnant one somehow. Yes. OK. I love that you mentioned that because... We meet all four of them and they enter a living room together. And it's so it's Roberta and Chrissy on one side mm-hmm. and it's Teeny and Samantha on the other side. And they're standing awkwardly just looking at each other. And it feels like a lesbian double date. So like I said, Samantha is played by Demi Moore. Roberta is played by Rosie O'Donnell. And Roberta is a present day OBGYN, which is just like so gay that even me as a gay person wouldn't do you know, if yes. I if I wanted to be a doctor as a lesbian, I would not be an OBGYN just because I'm like, that's so stereotypically gay. Absolutely. Like, oh, you just like are around V all day. <laughs> really? And then you go home and you're around V all night. Yeah. Great job. Satini so is present day played by Melanie Griffith, who you're going to hate this, is the mother of Dakota Johnson. No way. Mm-hmm. Okay. But no, that makes a lot of sense to me because I'm constantly saying to Sam, oh my God, Dakota Johnson is an 
this movie too. She's in like every fucking movie I see. <laughs> Nepotism. Nepotism. Mm-hmm. That actually makes me feel a little better. Yeah. Not that she isn't gorgeous and talented. It just like makes sense that she just got like funneled into these roles yeah. and is also gorgeous and talented. Yeah. But it, it doesn't hurt to ha- you have your mom be Melanie Griffith. Not at all. So, and then Chrissy present day is played by Rita Wilson and Chrissy is pregnant. So in order to act out this pact that they made when they were like 12 years old, they've all come back together to see Chrissy have a baby. And as Chrissy is preparing to have a baby, we flash back to their summer in the year of 1970. And we see these four young girls try to, one, buy a treehouse and two, solve a murder. They spend just as much time on both tasks. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love, like the the mingling of like seriousness and then childishness. Like what I really appreciate about this film is that they treated the present day characters and the younger characters with the same amount of tact. Like they're all complex. Yes. You, they have very interesting relationships with each other. It's not like they are all friends, period. Like they have stronger relationships with one person. You'll see Roberta likes Chrissy better and Teeny likes Samantha better. And you see their relationships kind of like intersect in very interesting ways, which I think is true when you're a kid, you like some people better than others. Absolutely. You have like your group of friends, but you also have like your best friend you spend more time with. Honestly, this was like the most generous and most mature dialogue I've seen in like this kind of like Southern fried comedy that I love. Like it, I was turning to Sam and I was like, as a child, I was not able to like process all of these like familial issues like these characters are. But it was so well appreciated because like you needed young women or women too. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're going through the same kind of shit that we're as older people going through Mm -hmm. and they just handled it really well. It was very realistic, even in the moments that weren't quite so realistic, like in the cemetery and like (laughs) all the perils they go through. Yeah. It still felt really like true. I think they flash between like when you're a child, you're having a conversation with another child. You're not dumbing down the things you say, you know, you're speaking as an adult, you're doing your best to speak like as an adult would speak. And then you get spooked by a ghost and you're like, ah, and you're screaming like a little girl. We need a treehouse to run to. Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of skate over some of the, the plot points of this movie because it's a good movie. It's a long movie. And the gayness is kind of like baked right in. So I just want to touch on those points. But Samantha's parents are going through a divorce. Teeny's parents are absentee parents. And Chrissy is just so naive because her mom babies her like a little flower. (laughs) And Roberta, I think, has the tensest storyline. Her mother died when she was four in a car accident. And when we meet Roberta, she is taping her boobs down. Yes, that scene like really surprised me so much. I was like, like, that's not an image you have seen in any other movie, especially at this time, like a woman, mm-hmm. like feeling so ashamed by a part of her body that she's like trying to remove it. Mm-hmm. Like that really shook me. And you see the other girls throughout the film being like, oh, I wish I had boobs. And Roberta's like, trust me, you don't want them. She <sighs> she remarks like they just keep getting bigger. And she has this kind of puberty moment with her body where she just feels so unattached to it. And I think you know, I always read that as being so gay growing yes. up. Yes. You know, she just wants to be treated like a boy. And uh, my heart goes out to her. She deals with a lot of shit in this movie. Oh, my gosh. She has definitely the most difficult realizations in this movie. And even, like, as an adult, like, Roberta is still struggling with this, like, body dysmorphia issue. Mm-hmm. And it's just really relatable. And I'm glad that they 
I am glad that they left that in, that they're still asking her as adults, like, so how big are your boobs, Roberta? <laughs> and she's still like, fuck off. I'm not going to tell you. You know, like, because I totally relate to that. Like, I, to this day, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I just want to, like, take them and just, like, kind of throw them away. Put them in a suitcase. Yeah. And I can take them out on the days I feel like wearing my breasts and otherwise, like, I feel more comfortable without them. But it doesn't work like that. I just love that the New Line Cinema executives that said this were said that Roberta was too gay just threw in an ADR line but didn't take out the parts of this movie where one she's trying to tape down her breasts and yeah. two they're doing a Cosmo quiz on like which guy <laughs> you would date and Roberta answers to each question D none of the above I do not want to touch men talk to men <laughs> be around them you <laughs> yeah I also love the Janine Garofalo cameo as the, like, witchy diner waitress. Oh, my God. <laughs> I totally forgot about that character. If this was, like, redone in present day, that yeah. would be Aubrey Plaza, 100%. A thousand percent. <laughs> but I also think it could still be played by Janine Garofalo. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You're in here. <laughs> Why not? I love that character. So one night, Samantha tells everybody, let's do a seance because why not? And they go to a cemetery <laughs> and perform, uh, you know, a little seance for the dead. And they're moved by some spiritual being. And they believe that the ghost of a boy named Dear Johnny is begging them to solve his murder. I love when you bring murder into a movie that doesn't require murder. <laughs> Why not? Grease, a movie I just did, should have had more murder. Could you imagine if there was murder in Grease? The musical numbers we would have been given, incredible. Who done it? Who done it? Skiwity bop to bop, skiwity booty bop. Oh my God. So, to solve this murder, they have to go to a big library. And on the way to the library, we get incredible scenes, <laughs> one of which includes Roberta who pretends to die after jumping off of a branch into a river. And then Chrissy punches her in the face, which as a kid, this part of the movie always made me like my heart rate elevate because mm -hmm. no matter how many times I saw it, I was like, Roberta's dead. She's yeah. dead. Well, because we're trained by like other movies in this genre to believe like anytime, anytime you see a train or like kids jumping off of something onto something that they were just going to die. Like that was a part of all these movies. Like their coming of age was triggered by death. Yeah. And when Roberta jumped into that creek or whatever, Lizzie turned to me and goes, oh, my God, did she die? And she was like, no, never mind. We, we see Rosie O'Donnell. No, she's alive. I had to like double check. I was like, wait, wait, wait. OK, I can like kind of calm myself down a little bit. She's alive in present day. And what's funny about this scene is that um, Ashley Aston Moore, who plays Chrissy, actually punched her so hard in the face that they had to take a few days off of production because it just like bruised Christina Ritchie's like whole face. That's called method. <laughs> the Meisner effect, you guys. <laughs> we also see them steal the clothes of the Wormers, which is like the boy gang in their neighborhood. Um, that's a fun scene. Unfortunately, Roberta learns the details of her mother's death. And like, every time Roberta has a scene, it's just fucking sad. God, but I gotta give it to Christina Ricci. Like, she... I don't know how far along into her career this was, if this was like her direct, if this was her actor debut or whatnot, but she acted the shit out of this scene for like such a young woman to feel like this capacity of emotion. And it also, there's not a lot of cuts in that scene. They really let this young actress like just feel it out and like really emote. And she even like falls to the ground at one point. And I was just like totally riveted. Like 
really, really mature performance that I really related to. Yeah, Christina Ricci had just finished Casper. So... (laughs) (laughs) Another, like, serious, heavy-hitting film. Which is funny, because in Casper, the boy actual version of Casper is played by Devin Sawa, who plays, like, her love interest in this film. That's cute. And we'll talk a little bit about him in in, uh, the following scene. But... um, yeah, like you're saying, she has some serious acting chops. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit. And lest us not forget that they also run into the uncredited appearance of Brennan Fraser. Uncredited? <laughs> uncredited. That's incredible. I love this scene so much. I, as a kid, convincing myself I was straight, I was like, I am straight because he is pretty to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number one, Brendan Fraser is a lesbian. Yes. Okay, you know what's funny about this scene, though? Like... And bringing it back to me, because I'm the center of the universe. <laughs> so, like, you're introduced to Brendan Fraser. Like, he's, like, way far in frame. Like, one inch in the TV screen. I just hear him say a single line. And I'm like, is that Brendan Fraser? Lizzie was in the kitchen <laughs> heating up a pupusa in the microwave. <laughs> and I was like, are you sure you don't want to pause it? And she's like, I'm just heating something up. And <laughs> Brendan Fraser is, like, 50 yards away. And he's like, hey. And she's like, is that Brendan Fraser? <laughs> Is that 1999 star Brendan Fraser from The Mummy starring <laughs> Rachel Weiss and Brendan Fraser? Fraser? Brendan Fraser? I was like, yeah, it's, it's Brendan Fraser. Okay, true or false, Brendan Fraser is, is that generation's Willem Dafoe, true or false? False. No. Willem Dafoe was never a George of the Jungle level hot. Then why do lesbians love him so much? I don't know. I love, I love Willem Dafoe, like how people love Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, he can do no wrong. He has never caused me any discomfort or pain. Yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, So, yeah, that was just on their trip to the library. They threw in like five of these ridiculous scenes. (sighs) Let's go. Um, I do want to show you a scene from the softball game. Okay, let's go. We're going to home run all the way home. Who are you kidding? Girls can't play softball. What did you say? I said girls can't play softball. What you doing? Roberta, remember you're a lady. Why don't you go home and play with your dolls? The only doll Roberta's got is a G.I. Joe. I love a revenge story. (laughs) So I just showed Lizzie the scene where um, Christina Ricci gets the other girls to go play softball with her. The straightest American pastime. (laughs) And um, uh, a boy in the back remarks, girls can't play softball, which is eerily similar to the line from She's the Man. Lizzie, would you like to say it? Girls can't beat boys. It's as simple as that. (laughs) Shut up, Justin. Roberta punches this guy in the fucking face. But we get some choice lines in this scene where... Um, Chrissy, who really seems like Roberta's girlfriend, Mm -hmm. saying, the only doll that Roberta has is a G.I. Joe. (laughs) Remember, Roberta, you're a lady. Yeah, Roberta gets up from beating this guy's ass and she goes, Roberta, your hair. (laughs) Oh, my God. Chrissy, go. Um, So we follow this shortly after with the Roberta Devin Sawa kiss. He's the leader of the Wormers, like the boys that they, you know, the girls bring the boys, the boys bring the girls. I think the choice for Devin Sawa makes a lot of sense because, you know, following Casper, we can tell that, you know, Christina Ricci, Devin Sawa have like a chemistry together and they're kids. So like, how often does that happen? Right. But also as a kid, I was like, I'm straight because Brendan Fraser is hot. I was like, I'm straight because Devin Sawa is hot. (laughs) Devin Sawa 
looks, he's giving like a Peter Pan androgyny. Yeah. He's beautiful. He's a boy, but he's so pretty. Soft, pretty. Yeah. Wears like colorful clothing. Has a soft face. Yeah. No, that's just like a lesbian boy. Yeah. So sorry. That is to me, for all intents and purposes, a lesbian. And he kind of gives the same vibes when people, when lesbians say growing up, they were obsessed with Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm -hmm. It's like, you just wanted to be Leonardo DiCaprio. He was pretty and he was a boy. Definitely. It's definitely on that side of the scale. Like you didn't want to like fuck him. You wanted to be in his skin. Yes. So... After this, we see another appearance of someone I haven't mentioned before, Crazy Pete, as mm-hmm. the kids call him. Um, Samantha drops her jewelry into a sewer drain and goes to get it foolishly and almost dies because it's pouring rain. And Crazy Pete pulls Samantha out and she's like shaking in the rain and she's looking at him. And he says, I don't like to see a lot of people. I don't think they like to see a lot of me. This made me really sad because this character is definitely has that like, you know, there's always like the witch in the house down the road or like the creepy guy next door in Home Alone, mm-hmm. you know, but that person always is just like misunderstood. And it's like, well, maybe we're all misunderstood like Crazy Pete, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe Samantha and Chrissy and everyone's just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. He just seems so lonely and uh, I cry sometimes when I watch this movie and it's only Crazy Pete's scenes that I do cry. I just love that character so much. And I'm glad that they brought that in because I think it really does kind of help illuminate their childhood. Instead of casting him off in society like adults would, they have the chance to see something and take the chance on someone that normally other people wouldn't. Just love it. That was one thing about this movie that was really like noteworthy is that you don't talk to a lot of adults. You don't talk to a lot of like older people, but the ones you do talk to, the Brennan Frasers and the Crazy Pete's, mm-hmm. they treat them like adults. They like look them in the eye and listen to them. And all these women have something to say. And I was just like, I'm curious to go back to my childhood to see like, what did the adults think of me? <laughs> was I just like a babbling little fool or did they actually listen when I was like, my feelings so hard about this one <laughs> random thing that means I'm gay? <laughs> You're going up to the crazy feet of your town like, am I gay? He's like, please stop talking to me. (laughs) Uh, So in another scene, we find out that Dear Johnny, the murder that they've tried to be. Oh, yeah, the murder. Yeah, they've been trying to solve the murder of Dear Johnny this whole time. We find out that he, the boy Johnny and his mother actually murdered when someone tried to come in and steal from their house. I know. Brutal. So when the girls go back to his grave to, like, finish the seance because they believe that they've, like, solved the murder, they find out that they what they believed initially was spirits not, that knocked over his tombstone were actually just, like, groundskeepers that were, mm-hmm. like, doing maintenance. <laughs> and they realized they didn't talk to any spirits and they were just, like, imagining the whole thing. So the kids, like, leave the cemetery and on the way out, Samantha's, like, Oh, hold on. I forgot something. I'll be right there. And she goes back into the cemetery with flowers to leave on Johnny's grave. And she finds Crazy Pete. I'm going to show you that scene. Okay. What's your name? Samantha. Well, Samantha, things will happen in your life that you can't stop. But that's no reason to shut out the world. There's a purpose for the good and for the bad. 
He gave me the only gift he could, the lesson it had taken him a lifetime to learn. And although I understood the importance of his words, it's only now, looking back, that I understand their meaning. So we learn that Crazy Pete is Dear Johnny's father. It's a really full circle part of the story that I loved. You know what this is serving me? What? It's serving me Michael Stuhlbarg at the end of Call Me By Your Name. I fucking have that clip pulled up, Lizzie. Exactly. I... Do we share a brain? We are literally one consciousness in two flesh bodies. (laughs) Could you remind me of that scene from Call Me By Your Name? Like what what part of it, of that speech that he gives reminds you of this? So there's a specific line that Michael Stuhlbarg says where he's talking to his son who is experiencing heartbreak. And he says, like, to stop the feeling of pain so you feel nothing at all, what a waste. Basically, like if you stop the bad feelings in your life, you will miss out on life. To feel nothing so as to not feel anything. What a waste. Oh, that's the one. Yes, that's the one. Oh, I'm so glad you got that too. No, I think we share a brain. <laughs> <laughs> so we flash back to present day and Chrissy is having a motherfucking baby dog. Her water breaks and they're getting this bitch right to the hospital. It's hilarious because Roberta, who's played by Rosie O'Donnell, is like, I'm driving the limousine and I'm going to take you there. And she gets in the limousine and the first thing she says is, oh, nice suspension. <laughs> Just like the dikiest thing a total, you say. <laughs> Yeah, like not at all like a weird gay thing to say. So this wraps up the movie very nicely. Like Chrissy has her child. And I'm bringing this up because this was the part of the movie that test audiences had a problem with. Wait, which part? So I, Marlene King, says they freaked out. There's a scene in which OBGYN Roberta, played by O'Donnell, treats Rita Wilson's character Chrissy, who has gone into labor. She said the audience was like, ew, she's a lesbian and she's looking at her vagina. And we were like, seriously, what? Who cares? I mean, that's just like a trope you see in movies time and time again, that like a lesbian or gay male character is super predatory against other people of their same gender and it's just like get the fuck i don't know i mean it's tired we know it's tired in 2022 but in the 90s it sucks that audiences were grossed out and just like shut the fuck up yeah i marlene king had said that they tried numerous test audiences and they all came out saying the same thing so that's why they had to change it and post and add that like weird adr line God, just like if all of these movies had just like leaned into the queer factor of these films, they would have been so ahead of their time. And like I would have liked them more and they would have made more money is the thing. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell and I, Marlene King had said, like, could you imagine the effect seeing like a young woman grow into her true identity and then become a successful doctor would have had on like lesbians everywhere. It would have been like revolutionary. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings us to the end of the movie. I'm going to go into the reception a little bit. With a budget of 12 million, it grossed 37.5 million at the box office. Okay. It received low critical responses. Really? I'm surprised by that because it's very airtight. Roger Ebert Fuck Roger Ebert. Let me say that again. I say sometimes he's right. Most of the time he is wrong. He said, this film is made up of artificial bits and pieces. He instead praised another film about girlhood, The Man and the Moon, for its truthful storytelling and said that in comparison, this film was a gimmicky sitcom. Have you ever heard of The Man and the Moon? No. It's this fucking 
movie with Reese Witherspoon that grossed two million dollars. Okay, Roger Ebert. First of all, you've never lived a moment in a woman's brain. So why are you even giving the end all be all on this? I don't know why he thinks he gets a say. I fuck this guy. Whatever. Anyways, Lizzie, how did you like the film? I love the film. It's a film I am happy to add to my like constantly rotating roster of coming-of-age films about women. I thought it was great. I would definitely watch it again. I thought it was masterful. And whoever was in charge of casting had like an eye for talent because most of these women went on to have very successful careers. And yeah, like the script was pretty airtight for me. Like everyone had an arc. Here's one thing. I have like a a beef for dialogue. I think dialogue can be really, really bad and ruin a movie. Mm -hmm. But every character in this film, even the young ones versus the old ones, had like a different voice. They were always speaking in character, um, which you don't see a lot in these like ensemble comedies. Sometimes the writer's voice can kind of like override the what the character is trying to say. I love this movie. Long story short, TLDR, I love this movie. It's super gay. La, 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 la. So I'm going to have us score it, and then I want to ask you, like, a final question. Oh, a quiz? A little quiz. Okay. So how the subtextual score works is we score it on how gay is it and how good is it. It's averaged out of 10. That is the overall subtextual score. And there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) You could be our Patreon member, and then we'd pretty much do whatever you say. Please, dear God, it's only a minimum of $5 per month. You'd be supporting all of the jokesters in this tiny hot room. (laughs) This hot closet we record out of. (laughs) Uh, So, Lizzie, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good would you say this movie is? Um, Seeing that the writers and producers had to, like, contort to fit themselves in the box that the 90s wanted at the time, it is still very, very good, and the subtext comes through, I would say this movie is an 8. I was going to give it the same score. I I think it's incredibly well written. I think the critiques that it is childish are so completely oblivious of the fact that it's about children. And also, they don't speak like children. It's like very complex themes for children. Maybe they just didn't see the fucking movie. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think they gave a shit. I think before the movie rolled, they probably made up their mind about 100%. the film. 100%. Okay, so Lizzie, how gay is it? Well, it could have been a 10, but they fucked that up with the test audiences. But like, like without you... My dear gay friend Sam presenting me this movie, I still would have watched this movie and and still thought it extremely subtextual. So I'll give it a six and a half. Six and a half. That's fair. Knowing that without that ADR line, Roberta would have been a big, huge dyke um, and still is in mine heart. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. Love it. So I'm going to do the math. Every time you do this part of the math score thing, I'm like that meme of Julia Roberts with all the like equations and like algebra <laughs> floating above her. Like, uh, Carry the two. And so this film has an overall score of a 7.38. That's pretty good. Super good. That's more than Greece. More than Greece. Well, there's no one actually. <laughs> whatever everyone's gay in that movie 
everyone's gay in this movie. <laughs> Simpatico. Um, it almost breaks into our top 10, folks. It's like a few points away. But before we end today's episode, I would like to ask you, Lizzie, are you a Samantha, a Roberta, a Chrissy, or a Teeny? Okay, well, I know I'm a Rachel Phoebe. So I think I'm a Samantha... Samantha. (laughs) That bitch is a witch. That bitch is a witch. She's a witch. She is like, I don't want anyone to touch me. I'm an introvert. I wear black. Blah, 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 blah. Bye. That's like, I'm so sorry. I love there's a scene where they're like, Janine Garofalo is a rich. They're like, anyways, do you guys want to do that seance? (laughs) They're like, we need to go talk to a witch about witch stuff. All right, cool. Now back to our witch stuff. (laughs) It's so cute. What are you? I'm glad you asked. I haven't prepared for this. Um, I'm like a Roberta Rising, but like a Samantha Moon. I, is that how that works? Like, 100%. I know in my heart that I am Samantha and I am Samantha. But growing up, I wanted to be just like Roberta and I wanted the world to see me like as Roberta was being seen, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I would say Roberta is your sun sign, and then a Samantha rising. It's like, I'm so glad there's a Samantha in the studio today to t- explain the witch stuff to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. We should make a quiz. We should. All right, gays, you've had enough witches. We hope you have a very good gay month. Happy gay month, you gay gays, you. Um, and if you use our promo code at Gap checkout. <laughs> Subtextual is the best podcast ever. No spaces. 20% off. 1.2% off your shipping. All right. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our podcast this week. If you'd like more bonus content, you can find us on patreon.com slash subtextualpod. We'll see you next week for another riveting episode of Subtextual.